as Tony was praying as we were ending worship there, it seemed like we were moving into uh, one of those more solemn kind of movements. And so I'm just going to honor the presence and movement of the Holy Spirit today. You know, as I was sitting there, you know, sometimes you don't feel like you're on fire. You know what I'm talking about? And then you don't feel the fire of God. Amen. As I was sitting there, I was like, God, Tony just prayed that, you know, the fire of God would move on me. I was like, I, I don't feel the fire. Amen. Matter of fact, I feel like you ever seen like a, a, a scene or a movie or something, or you may have experiences at a campfire where somebody threw water on the fire and there's like smoke, right, after it's been dampered. That's how I feel right now. And so as I was sitting there, I know that sounds odd from a preacher this morning before you get up on Sunday morning, right? The preacher was to be on fire, full of the Holy Ghost. You know, he ain't tired yet. He running for a mighty long time and all this kind of stuff, you know. But sometimes preachers got to be honest, right? When I got up this morning, when I got up, I said, I am not feeling this, amen. I, I, told, I told Tony, I, I was about to tell Tony, y'all just pray this morning, I'll go to Starbucks. Amen. But as I was sitting there, oh, my God, as I was sitting there waiting as we were praying and worshiping, the Lord said, you may not feel the fire, but I still consume you. Mm, 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 mm. Some of y'all may not feel nothing right now. Some of y'all may not feel any kind of spiritual power. Some of you feel weak right now. But I'm here to tell you, God is saying to you that you are still consumed by his presence. You are still held by the Almighty. If you don't get anything, if you ain't feeling nothing, at least know that you are loved, that you, that you are held by Almighty God. So I'm just grateful to be held this morning. Amen. I'm starting to feel something. I don't know what's going on. Sometimes you got to rev it up, you know. But, you know, the thing is, you know, I'm learning, like, when we're talking about own God, when we're talking about spiritual growth, Oftentimes in the church, the church oftentimes is captured by consumer culture and spectacles. And so church becomes one high experience after the other, right? Amen. You have a week full of lows. You come to church to get your fix. And I'm not saying that you don't come to church to get inspired, to get energized and things like that. But one of the things that you have to realize is that when you own God, when you are in the, in the growth process, when you're on this journey of life with God, this is a process. There's probably going to be more lows than highs. If I was to keep it real with you. We've been talking about own God. Man, y'all still consumed. I don't care how you feel this morning. God still holds you. God still loves you. No matter how you feel about it this morning. Our text this morning is Psalm 43, 1 through 5. Psalm 43, 1 through 5. And so the series that we started last week is called Own God. And on God, we were talking about that slang, right? My, uh, my stepson, Joshua, he says this a lot when he's talking with his friends. He's trying to convince them that what he's saying is true. I, I, always, hear, I always hear him on the phone. He'd be out in the, in the driveway because sometimes he can't talk in the house because, you know, he won't talk with business in front of us. And so he'd be out in the driveway. Oh, God, bro. Oh, God, I'm telling you, bro. Oh, God, bro. 
like, man, I love the way he says I'm going to tell Josh that. I'm like, man, I love the way he says that. Yeah, on God, bro. On God, fam. And so and what we learn is if you are a student of the Urban Dictionary, on God means, has two primary meanings. On God means that what you are saying is true. Right? It is, it's validated. It's, it's real. I'm coming honest with you. But it also has a secondary meaning, which is what we jumped this series off of, is that what I'm saying, what I'm about, I'm very serious about. And so what we're saying in this series is to be on God, with God, with your life with God, is to begin to look inwardly to say, have I been serious about my life with God? And what does it mean to begin to take seriously my life with Jesus, my spiritual life? What does it mean to grow spiritually? Because oftentimes, like I said earlier, we get the impression uh, that Christian faith in our culture and North American Christian, uh, North American consumerist society that says that church is one experience after the other. You're just kind of aimlessly walking, going through life, just kind of existing and surviving. And you, if you're a religious person, if you're a spiritual person, then church is just one Sunday after the next, after the next. But I'm here to let you know that there actually is a spiritual expectation of God, of your life with God. Right, there is a such thing as a spiritual journey. There is a such thing as having the expectation that I will grow spiritually. And so part of the life of the believer and follower of Jesus is to be able to, to name and to give some kind of description of what growth looks like. If you don't know what growth looks like, guess what? You don't know if you're growing. If you have no sense of what the destination is or what the spiritual goal is, you won't know if you've attained it. Now, the tricky thing about growing in God is this. You can't make this happen on your own strength. That's the difference between this kind of reality, this kind of, of life with God, than any other activity or thing that we may do in our lives. There are things that we do at work, we have goals. There's things that we do with our families, we have goals. Our finances, hopefully, we have goals. Life goals. Bucket list. Right? And you know you got some sense of, you got a lot of, well, hopefully, Hopefully you have a sense that you have control of where these life goals are being attained. But see, life with God is different. Now, what we do, we don't control the process. What we do with life with God, when we're on God with God, what we learn is that we don't control this process. But what we do is we surrender to it. We participate in the process. Your participation is key. But I wish sometimes I could control it. Amen. Y'all, we had low moments, zero moments, and it seems like, man, I don't know. You know, I wish I had a button I could push or, you know, some kind of drink or something or some kind of magic words that somebody can say, okay. And I'm back on the mountaintop. 
as if you've been human for any amount of time, you realize life don't work like that. And so the passage that we're uh, reading this morning, Psalm uh, 43, 1 through 5, it reads thus. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. My, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Amen. The writer says, our process of conversion to Christ is a journey that takes place over the course of a lifetime. You cannot probably look, you can probably look back to life, to times in your life where you can remember making great progress on your spiritual journey. And other times when you have felt like you were moving backwards. Amen. You will feel like you were moving backwards. Amen. You feel like you were going nowhere. And so, so, and we, so when we read this and we reflect upon this, that there is a spiritual journey that you should understand yourself as a follower of Jesus, that I am on a journey and I am on this, on this path to spiritual growth. We have countless uh, biblical exhortations to, to encourage us to continue down this path. Colossians 2.7, it says, let your roots grow down into him, Jesus, and let your lives be built up in him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Or 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Colossians 1, 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please God in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, growing in the knowledge of God, bearing fruit. Say bearing fruit. Amen. The life of the follower of Jesus should bear some kind of fruit. If you are consumed by God, even if you are, if you are held by God, if God's spirit has been deposited into your life, then we should see something. Not necessarily perfection, but we should see signs of life. I'll start with a question. I'll go into another question. Have you ever been in exile? Captured by something uncomfortable that you cannot shake? The reality is a part of the journey of spiritual growth 
is that there will be seasons, and we don't like this because we live in America, right? We're, we're addicted to having high moments. We're addicted to having peak moments in this culture. So if I'm not having a peak moment right now, if I'm not having a mountaintop swinging from the chandeliers moment, then something is wrong with me, so we think. Right? But what we learn from the biblical witness is that there are moments of discomfort. There are seasons when we are uncomfortable spiritually on the inside. There's something that is disquieting. There's something that is disturbing on the soul. And sometimes you can't even put your finger on You have been in situations like that. You had seasons where you were in a spiritual funk, right? And he's like, man, something is wrong with me. But see, sometimes I'm going to hate to tell you, brothers and sisters, it ain't that something is wrong with you. It's just that something is going on on the inside of you. God is working in ways below the conscious mind, in the subconscious self of your own being. God is at work in ways. And so a lot of times what the discomfort is, I'm actually getting ahead of myself right now, what discomfort is, is anticipation. Because your spirit is realizing, your soul realizes that God is at work. Hmm. Did you know this? Your soul is aware that God is at work when your conscious mind isn't. You need to understand this. Because some of us, we'd be like, I ain't feeling this. But your soul is like, God is here. I know this well. God is at work. So what I'm saying is there are going to be spiritual seasons. You got to know this, y'all. You got to see, you know, we've been, we've been sold a bad bill of goods in the church that told you that this whole thing is about the mountaintop, man. You know, Moses went to the mountaintop for a season. Then he fell back down that joker and had to deal with Israel. The Christian life is not a series of mountaintop experiences. It's mountaintops and valleys and deserts and streams and floods and hurricanes and tornadoes and sunshine. It's all of that. So there will be spiritual seasons of discomfort in our lives. The psalmist is describing a situation in Psalm 43. He's describing a situation where he, uh, the writer, is uh, seeking God to vindicate them because they are surrounded by external en enemies. And so it starts off from the external that there are enemies around me, my, or as we would say today, my circumstance, my situation. There are people, there are things, there are situations that are seem not to be for me. They seem to be bent on my destruction or they're trying to limit who I am in this world. They are calling me uh, out of my, out into my false self, into my, they call the worst out of me. And so there are external things around me that are coming at me, that are strategizing, that are aligning themselves against me. And so, and so the psalmist is saying, God, vindicate me. God, plead my cause as if to ask God to become a, like a defense attorney, for God to become a champion, for God to become the cheerleader in the midst of this situation. God, vindicate me. Plead my cause against the nations. And then the, the psalmist continues, God, rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked 
God, you are my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? And so, mm, did y'all hear that? The psalmist said, God, why have you rejected me? See, some of y'all came up in stale religious traditions that told you you ain't never supposed to complain to God. That ain't biblical. Matter of fact, I would say this ain't got real for you until you actually complain to God. I'm talking about serious complaint. I'm talking about heart-wrenching complaint because God can take it as if to say how arrogant for Christians to tell other Christians and believers to say, you can't complain to God, as if God is weak and insecure. God can take your complaint. God ain't like, oh, my God. He ain't like us or me. You know, people say things about him like, oh, man, I don't, man, I don't like it when people talk about me. I feel bad. Like, they shouldn't. I feel like I started to begin to self-doubt. Right? When God here, I complain, God is like, okay. God don't have, I don't believe, I'm just assuming here, I'm just taking a, just taking a wild theological guess. I assume that God does not engage in self-doubt. I'm assuming that. Because God got a whole bunch of stuff to do, right? I don't know if I, you know, that sun keep burning. I don't know if I'm doing a good job at that. That wormhole, that planet, those people, we've, I guess I assume that we would, be, we would be in trouble if God has self-doubt. That God doubts God's own ability to be God. But that's what we do when we say stuff like, don't, don't, don't complain to God. The writer said, here, God, you done rejected me. God, you done left me. Or I feel like you have left me. There are going to be seasons, child of God, when you feel like God has left you. And that, if you feel that way right now, let me tell you something right now. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're on Facebook Live, you're a religious fanatic or whatever, you may not like what I'm about to say. If you're a Pharisee, you ain't going to like what I'm going to say. Guess what? That's part of the process. To feel like God ain't with you no more. Now, they ain't to say theologically that God ain't with you. But what I'm saying is there are going to be seasons in your life when you ain't feeling God and you feel like God has abandoned you, even in your lowest moment, even when you feel like, God, I really need you right now. I read you, come by here, my Lord. Right? I need you to come by here, God. God, we need a kumbaya. But he says, God, why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Why, you know, and he said, how long? That's, you know, and that's the thing, you know, sometimes, mm, 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 mm. this is when you know that you are entering into some really good fertile territory for growth. When you begin to say stuff like, man, this has been too long. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to help somebody this morning. Amen. I ain't got no spiritual milk for you this morning. Amen. I ain't got no spiritual similac for you this morning. 
See, this is when you know that you're in fertile territory, that you are heading into an opportunity for expansive growth for your soul. When you say, God, it's been too long. I've been sitting here dealing with all this crap, dealing with all these people, dealing with all my own shortcomings, dealing with this thing that I keep doing, this cycle of, of habit that I have, this self-destructive. God, how long will you sit idly by God and let me go through this process seemingly by myself? This is entirely too long. God, I'm tired. How long shall I mourn? I seem to be mourning all the time. I seem to be second-guessing you, God, all the time. I feel rejected by you all the time now, it seems, and I wake up. I can't even open my Bible. I can't even get myself to pray. I have to drag myself to church on Sunday. Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? Then he says this, something begins to shift a little bit. And then the psalmist says, send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Amen. Now, notice this thing here. This is a petition. Amen. There's different modes of prayer, right? There's intercession. When you're interceding for other people, you're standing in the gap for other people. And then there is supplication or petitionary prayer, when you're actually asking God for something. But I want you to get this, though. Don't confuse the petition for light for the presence of light. Did you catch that? Don't confuse the petition for light with the presence of light. Don't confuse the, the, the psalmist is asking for light. He's not saying, so what that means is, if he's asking for light, what is he missing? God, send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. So what does that mean? There are going to be moments in your life you are led completely by your flesh. And I'm about to say something that may get me in trouble, burnt at the stake. Sometimes God wills that. God be like, okay, let's see how you stumble in the dark. God will allow you to stumble in the dark. God will allow you to stumble in the dark and feel lonely. Till you get to the point where you realize, like, God, I need your light, God. God, I need your care, God. I need your direction because right now I'm stumbling all over myself. I'm trampling over other people. I'm stumbling over people that I love. I'm hurting other people. God, I'm stumbling in the dark. Send me your light, God. God, let them lead me. God, I'm, my ego is getting too big, God. I need you to lead me, God. I can't lead myself. I'm trying to lead myself, but God, I, I need some help. Because this ego done got out of control. God, let your light, he says, give me that light, God. Say, give me that light, God. Oh, 
Amen. And so he says, let them bring me to your holy mountain. So you can't get to the mountain with ego. People try it. But we confuse the holy mountain with spectacle. We confuse the holy mountain with good church music. We, get, we confuse the holy mountain when uh, the, the people are dancing, and there's nothing wrong with dancing and shouting. I'm, I'm all for that, right? I, I haven't found my praise dance yet. I'm, I'm still seeking that, right? I've been searching YouTube to find a proper praise dance for myself, amen? Because apparently you practice these kind of things. And so, so what I'm saying is the holy mountain is bigger than spectacle. The holy mountain to the place where you dwell, God. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God. See, altars, see, an altar, I don't know if you know this or not. God don't make altars. Humans do. Altars are human-made things that are a genuine response to the reality of God in our life. Right? So altars represent moments when we had a show enough encounter with the Holy One. He said, so he's saying, God, take me back to the place when I made altars, when I, when, I, when I genuinely met you or when I had a sense of that you were leading me. God, take me back to the place where I can uh, go back and experience those moments. When you ever had those things this week, I found myself going back to places, altars that I had before. There were certain songs that I was listening to. I was listening to some commission, y'all. I'm dating myself now. Back in the early 90s when I first became a Christian, that is what a lot of those commission songs, those Fred Hammond songs, man, they, they brought me through. And so then there's moments like in, in my spiritual low when I'm feeling like ah, I ain't feeling this right now. I got to remind myself I got to go back to the altar. Not when I was just way up here somewhere, but when I knew that I met God. When I knew that God was in my life, that God had interrupted my moment, my regularly scheduled broadcast of my life, that when God showed up, sometimes you got to take a trip in your spiritual memory. You got to go back to the altars of your memory. Then he says, then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, with, this, with the instrument, right? Oh, God, my God, why? My soul, and I love this, y'all. So it's a petition, but then he begins to engage in self-talk. How many of y'all have self-talk? All the time, amen? That's one of the most fascinating things about being a human. Of course, we don't know fully if animals do that, other species. Uh, we don't know. Anyway. But that's one of the most significant things about being a human being, that we can engage in self-talk. We can talk to ourselves. So he's literally, and I love this because notice what the psalmist says. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? 
a lot of times we are, are, are driven by the why question. We don't understand why we may feel this way. We may not understand why we're in the season of discomfort. But what I'm telling you is that what we learn from Scripture and from this tradition called the Christian faith is that sometimes God ain't going to give you a why. All you need to know is, is that you got to go through it. So the writer is saying, why am I so, why am I so disturbed? And he says, I'm just going to put my hope in God. For I will yet praise God, my Savior and my God. Now the other thing too is, is that um, in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, one of my favorite passages here, Romans 8, uh, 18 through 27, Paul gives us some encouragement uh, for our lives when we consider spiritual growth. Romans chapter 8, 18 through 27. Paul says this, I consider that our present sufferings I think we need to be told this sometimes, right? You will suffer. This is what it, part of what it means to be a human being, right? But this is difficult in a culture that tries to escape suffering and death to the point of absurdity. I consider that our present sufferings, one of the things that I do practice, and I posted this on Facebook uh, a couple weeks ago or several days ago, um, one of the spiritual disciplines that I engage in is I remember my death. This is ancient Christian practice, to remember one's death, meaning that to reflect on the moment and think about your own death. Now, we live in a culture that is strongly afraid of death. Probably, I would say this, you know, people say America, make America great again and all this kind of stuff. America is the greatest nation in the world. I want, I want to submit to you that America actually is the greatest nation that is afraid. You know how you can tell? If a nation, you know how you can tell the intensity of a nation's of, of fear of death? You know how you can tell? Go to D.C. and look at that monstrosity of a building called the Pentagon. The size of your military will reflect the intensity of your fear of death. Huh. We live in a culture, y'all, saints, we live in a culture that is hyper-militarized, that is in every aspect. And so this is, this is a different cultural moment in which we're in the last 50 years in American society. You need to understand is that, that we live in a culture that you are, that we are socialized to be literally afraid of death and suffering. And we use all means necessary to try to escape those things. And so, and Paul says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the, crea for the children of God to be revealed. 
For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by his own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, here it comes, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, daughtership, childship, the redemption of our bodies. And so what he's saying is, is that the discomfort that you're feeling right now, the inward groaning that you're feeling now, is your soul is sitting in expectation. Discomfort, spiritual discomfort, is expectation. It is anticipation. That groaning, that spiritual funk, that sense of spiritual stuckness, I just made that word up, right? It, it is an expectation from the depths of your being. It's a sense of anticipation. It's saying my soul longs for something greater than what I'm currently in right now. And I know that something's coming. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I hate waiting. Um, y'all, y'all probably patient folk. I can be a very impatient person sometimes, right? I just want to go out there and just want to do some stuff. So I've had to learn the hard way of what happens when you jump ahead of stuff, right? You skip, you try to skip some lessons, right? The thing about the kingdom of God, there ain't no social promotion in the kingdom of God, right? God don't look at you biologically and say, well, okay, you're in the first grade right now, but you should be in the fifth grade. Um, God ain't like, you know, some of our school educational systems that say, well, we're just going to put you in the fifth grade, although you really are at first grade level. God don't work like that. God will keep you in the first grade until you get it. Not that God don't like you. God looking out for you. Then he says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, uh, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It doesn't say that we can't be weak, y'all. There's going to be moments where we are weak. We are tired. We are exhausted. We are we easily given to our flesh and to our passions uh, that may lead to self-destructive behavior and things. And so there are moments when that happens in our lives that, you know, let's be honest with you, like when we tell people like, yo, you should be 100 all the time, that you should be all, you and Jesus should be like uh, BFF, like 100, 24, 7, uh, 365 days a year. Like you and Jesus should be BFFs like every single moment, every single minute. You'll meet people like that, man, Jesus tight. Like 100 all the time. The thing is, Jesus is 100 all the time. That's why Paul says, 
The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And it says, we do not know what we ought to pray. I love this honesty. There's seasons where you ain't got no prayers. You ain't got no words. You ain't got no petitions. You ain't got no human syntax to even say anything to God. You ain't got no human, let me get big words with you. You ain't got no human locution to say to God, you got nothing. There will be seasons like that. Paul says, we do not know what we ought to pray. Ain't he even like, <laughs> I love this because what he's saying is, it ain't even like I ain't got no prayers. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be praying. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I'm just here. I'm just existing. I'm just clawing on to survive in this world. He says, but the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. Mm. That means the word, the Spirit will groan for us. The Spirit will will enter into our discomfort and feel that in the spirit. Just like we are groan, groaning inwardly, the spirit will groan inwardly within us. God will get into the mix with our discomfort. God will feel our discomfort and, and groan with us. But the thing is, the spirit will groan with us. The spirit will join in our discomfort with us. But the spirit got wordless prayers. And it says, and God who searches our hearts knows the minds of the spirit, the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So even when you don't know how you ought to pray, you don't know how you ought to proceed with this spiritual life. Even when you have no clue, you feel an abandoned, you feel discomforted in your soul, you feel disturbed, you may not feel anything. The thing is you need to know is that the spirit knows, amen, the spirit knows, the spirit searches the heart and mind. The spirit knows exactly where you are. God knows exactly where you are. And brother and sister, I'm here to tell you today that you may think that you may have judged yourself because of where you are right now. But I'm here to let you know God knows where you are. And guess what? God still loves you. No matter where you are, God still loves you. The voice of religion was say. The voice of our culture will say, you don't matter. The voice of racism in our culture will say to our people, you are not valued. You are not intelligent. You are not smart. You are not beautiful. You are not the creation of God. You are an aberration. You are a monster. You are a beast. You are nobody. You have no, no value. You bring nothing to the world. spirit will whisper and say that's a lie so going back to the psalmist y'all he's in a crisis he's talking to him 
himself. He's talking to God. He goes from petition to hope. From complaint, petition, to hope. I'm not saying this is an ingredient to get light. I'm not saying, you know, man, y'all, I wrestle with our religious culture sometimes. This ain't the five steps to get your supernatural breakthrough. I'm not giving you steps to take to get your breakthrough. I'm saying this is how life is. Sometimes life just simply sucks. And I'm going to make it even, I'm going to add insult to injury. Sometimes life sucks and you're going to be there for a moment. Sometimes not even for a moment. A season. That's, that's a nice way of saying an indefinite amount of time. Try a year. Years. Folk were incredulous. They were discombobulated when them diaries came out from Mother Teresa. Folk were, the Catholic Church lost its mind. Y'all know who Mother Teresa is, right? She died some years ago, was a, a Catholic nun who worked in the slums. Uh, in marginalized places in India, amongst the leper colonies in India, amongst the most, because you know they have a caste system in India where you had the lowest caste. She worked amongst those folks, amongst people who were suffering of leprosy. And so she opened up a, 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 a ministry, a mission space uh, for people to be cured or to be, to be, to be uh, companioned as they transition into death. And so Here's this woman who had a strong sense of call when she was a young woman. She was sent to India. But the last few years of her life, she said, I felt not God. We always use Mother Teresa, right, as the exemplar. Right? It's like Jesus. For some, you know, Dr. King. Mother Teresa. She's in there. This woman said for years she felt not God. But she felt propelled by a greater love. I know. I know. So what I'm describing, brothers and sisters, I'm not describing steps to supernatural breakthrough to get your blessing to open up the windows of heaven that may I'm not saying to you you know uh, I'm, I'm just going to say this uh, and I've said it before there are going to be moments when praises go up and problems come down God I praise you I praise you Lord next day you feel like crap People say, you know, church, you know, we say praises go up, blessings come down. Hmm. If, man, I, I really wish that was true. Because if that was true, I'd be praising like every moment. 24-7, 365, right? 
God, I praise you for that lottery ticket. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm going over to the, the convenience store over there, right at the church. I'm going to say, Lord, I praise you. God, I thank you for that lotto numbers. God, I praise you for that 10,000 square foot house, Lord. Send it down, Lord. God, I praise you for that, 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 that exotic whip. That Aston Martin, do they even make those? I don't even know if they make those anymore. That they do. Oh, y'all know what I see. See y'all, see y'all have been praising them. <laughs> right. And I, you know, I'm not one of those preachers, y'all. I don't believe any of that. I'm just gonna be real with you. My thing is you want to Aston Martin, get good credit. And get and have a good income. Amen. Ain't no matter of praise. Because you, if you want a light and they gave you one, that joke will go on in a month. You're going to be waking up at 7 o'clock in the morning to get ready for the word. You're going to hear that beep, 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 beep. They're going to be rolling that joker back up on that, on that choke truck and driving off. You know what the blessing is? The blessing is, is being able to praise, period. I'm just being real with you. Because, man, when I have the unction and the desire to praise God, there's, there's been seen, when you've been in a drought, when you've been in a moment of, 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 of you feeling empty with God, like you, don't, you ain't been feeling God, but when it comes, right, when the light comes, mm -mm -mm, when the praise comes, when, when you begin to ascend to the holy mountain of God, I'm telling you, I want these brothers, like I, I say, Lord, I thank you. God, y'all, I was sitting in my cubicle this cubicle this week. I was like self-doubting. Self I was second-guessing my own calling in life and work, even in this community, y'all. I was sitting there. I was like, God, and all of a sudden, a praise came on me. And I was like, God. I was like, thank you. Some of you may not know. Some of you know. I thank you that today I may not have everything that I want and desire. But God, at least I got a praise. At least you let me know. You reminded me that you are here with me. You let me know that I'm held by you. I just thank God for that. I prefer that than a hundred Aston Martins. You got folk that got everything that we the church tells we got to be praying, praising God for. You got folk that got all that stuff, but they when, when they jumping out of buildings. I always imagine myself, you hear this story of the Wall Street executive, they lost some stock, they go to the top of the building, they jump off. And I always imagine myself, right, right as they're about to jump off, I'm like, really, dude? <laughs> I know some folk that need some help. They're like, really? And sometimes people just give in to despair and all that kind of stuff, hopelessness, and it's beyond our, even our understanding. I totally get that. I want to have compassion for anybody that does something like that. Right? But... What I'm saying is, don't be fooled. So what I'm saying is this. I'm not giving you supernatural steps to supernatural breakthrough. I'm not telling you how to have supernatural uh, uh, mountain moving, Red Sea splitting faith. No, what I'm saying to you is that this is life. 
I'm just describing the spiritual life. It will be a seasons of complaint. There will be seasons of petition in the midst of, uh, of the barren place. And then there will be seasons of light. I want to end with this poem from our Iranian poet, Saeed. Brother Saeed says, Lord, spread wide your arms and protect us from the multitude of your guardians. Stand by those who wander, who have not lost the gift of hearing, and listen within their solitude. Stand by those who, too, who stay and wait for you. Lord, I refuse to engage prayer as a weapon. Lord, I wish it to be like a river between two shores. For I seek neither punishment nor grace, but new skin that I can bear this world. I pray for new skin that I may bear this world. I've got to be on God. Can't be self-deceived by the culture around us. I'm not saying this like it's all bad and all that. I'm just being honest. I'm not wishing ill or bad on anyone. But what I'm saying is, I'm being honest with you. Right? I can't sell you spiritual rainbows and Skittles when life ain't like that. Life is mountaintops and life is valleys. The question is, a part of spiritual growth is to know where you are. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you uh, for your word. God, we thank you uh, that you called us into uh, to be on God people. God, that you called us to be honest with ourselves and self-reflection of where we are in you, God. God, we just pray, God, we, we pray for those who can't even pray right now. We pray for those who don't even know how to pray or what they ought to pray for. If that's you and this morning, we're going to pray for you. Amen. Y'all pray for me. Amen. It wasn't just this whole week. I didn't know how to pray, God. But, God, in this moment, I'm finding words. God, you are giving me words this morning. I can't even pray for myself right now. But, God, I pray for those who don't have words, God, who don't have intention, who don't have desire to seek your face, God. God, we pray, oh, God, that you will continue to move, God, even when they don't feel you moving in their lives. God, we pray, God, that you continue to, uh, to groan, God, when they groan in discomfort in this season, God, that you will be with us in powerful ways that oftentimes we can't even perceive, God. God, let's, I just pray, God, that we just be a people, that when the light comes, that we can surrender. To your light, to your unction, to your pushing, to your leading, to your holy mountain. God, we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God.